and welcome to a brand new episode of the Traction.gg podcast, where we talk about racing games, sim racing, and racing esports. I'm your host, Tom, and joining us this week is the founder and CEO of track racer, Matt Sten, the global, of Australian origin, sim racing and flight simulator accessory manufacturer. It has partnerships with the likes of the Alpine Formula One team and Airbus, and perhaps is best known for creating cockpits and wheel stands for those who want to take their virtual racing that bit further. We've actually reviewed its TR8 Pro Cockpit and FS3 wheel stand on the Traction.gg website and YouTube channel before, and you can check out the links to those in the description. From this conversation, I wanted to gain an insight into the racing video game peripheral market, and also how Track Racer has grown. But not just that. Yes, we'd like to know about the genesis and the current market challenges, but also what it plans to do next. And this is well worth a listen, as Matt gives us the lowdown onto its next big move, electronics. Yep, Track Racer will have software, a load cell pedal set, shifters and handbrakes, and maybe even more in the future. So it's going all in on sim racing, challenging the established players. So without further ado, here's Matt with the exciting plans. So Matt, thank you very much for your time. A pleasure to speak to you today. Uh, where are you speaking to us from? Uh, well, thanks, Cecily, for, for having me on the show, Thomas, uh, in Traction. Um, so I, I got back to Melbourne, Australia a few weeks ago. So we're... Uh, we're beefing up um, the uh, the employee base over here uh, with new staff um, for operations and, and website and um, and a few other functions. So uh, so I've basically come back here to to hire. Uh, we also acquired last week quite a large um, office building um, within Melbourne. Uh, so we so I'll be um, uh, pushing that along. We'll be moving in there uh, middle of November, setting up um, pretty fancy. Uh, showroom, um, putting a focus. Putting a focus. We've got a workshop area for uh, turnkey systems, uh, where we'll also be able to show um, the new range and the current range. Interesting. Oh, that sounds like all sorts is going on. Yeah. So the space space is four times bigger than what than what we're in now. So uh, we've we've grown in the last year. We've grown our um, in, our team by two hundred and fifty percent. Um, and we're tracking uh, at around 100% growth year on year. Oh, well, that's uh, some impressive figures then. So that's definitely worth sitting up and paying attention to. And I can imagine uh, makes your life a bit a bit busier, <laughs> a bit more stressful perhaps. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I, yeah, so we can go into that later on. But uh, yeah, it's exciting to be producing uh, the products that you know where we offer and, and we're working on. Yeah, we'll definitely touch on what's coming next uh, in a bit. Before then, I just want to ask about the origin story, so to speak. Obviously, HQ and you're based in Australia. Um, I know you have a background in like car electronics. You had a, your own company there and in car mar- automotive marketing as well. Uh, how do you think, f- looking from the outside at Australia, there is a, a strong motorsport heritage there? I know in uh, Melbourne, you've got what Calder, Calder Park and Winton and Albert Park. They're, the Formula One Grand Prix, they're all sort of nearby. Do you think that helps... Uh, spur on the sim racing industry in Australia? Uh, look, I think in Australia, um, the disposable income would probably play a bigger part oh, okay. <laughs> than that. Like, um, we are, yeah, we are, we are not um, at the same caliber as, as you guys in the UK um, in, in regards to following motorsport. Uh, we do have Bathurst uh, next, next weekend, which is probably the second biggest race of the year after F1. Uh, so that'll be an exciting one to watch. Uh, we'll be partnering up with uh, Tools.com um, with uh, with promotions. Um, they've got their their logo on a car, etc. 
so that that is a big one. Um, other than that, I think um, uh, it, it would definitely be uh, the disposable income. Um, the the look, we are very spaced out in Australia, so right. it would be uh, something something related to you know, it's just a hobby that mates like to connect in that way. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's an important market for us, Australia. Uh, you know, not not only because we we started off here, uh, but um, in regards to uh, our market share and um, and unit sales, uh, it's very important. I see, and it says uh, you know on your website. I'll, I'll reveal my source for research. It's your website in, in this instance. You know, Track Race was founded in two thousand eight, but the first product, which I believe was the uh, RS eight, is that correct? Yes. Was that available in 2008 or was there like a time, you know, where you started working in 2008, but then it took a while to develop it and then release it to the world? Yes. Yeah, so, so the company was formed in 2008, um, started setting up uh, the RS8 in 2008. So I'm fortunate enough to have a father with an engineering company. So, uh, so when I, I saw simulators online, I wasn't into sim racing. I thought that's, that's a great idea. Uh, the the product out there was pretty average. The price was high, so I thought, "Oh, I, I can do better." So, Dad and I started working on it in in 2008. Uh, we we released it. The, the initial order was about 50 units to Australia uh, from from China. Uh, possibly took a year, um, and in the first probably 10 years, um, we were running at a loss. But it was kind of like a passion project for me, yeah. Because it was actually like me des- designing these products, which uh, people were able to, you know, rave on about online, and um, it was it was something um, that uh, played on my creative side, uh, as opposed to the other business that I had, which was basically just OEM or rebranded um, car electronics. Yeah, two inch steel tube design. Uh, it was. You know, like when it was designed, there was it was pretty much just Logitech out there, so it was more or less designed for Logitech. Um, then, as like new pedals and, and wheels started coming out, we had you know uh, more demand in regards to um, uh, clearance around the pedal area. So, you know, that that forced us to update. That we added on the RS6 model, which is uh, currently our entry level model, um, and then phased out the RS6 and introduced the TR8. Um, we're now onto the TR8 Pro. Yes, um, which we've reviewed and we really, really enjoyed. Yeah, well, the challenging part for us is that you know there's always new peripherals coming out. So we just we just saw the launch of uh, uh, the Logitech Pro um, wheel and pedals, which is amazing. But uh, our our wheel plate doesn't fit, so now we need to make an adapter plate. Um, we're already on that, uh, but it's yeah, it's, it's just challenging trying to keep up at the moment. Yeah, well. Maybe we could touch upon that uh, in a way because, yeah, like you say, the market's evolving rapidly, and now there's actually all of a sudden way more direct drive and load cell providers in terms of wheelbase and pedals than they ever possibly ever have been, mm-hmm. and you have to somehow keep up with that pace and adapt your cockpits and rigs to fit that demand. And one example I found, which I thought was really enlightening about how the market has changed, is in 2015. Uh, you use the term uh, in your communications refined gaming and it was uh, cockpits for PC, PS3 and Xbox 360 and there's like a screenshot of your old website where there's someone using a steering wheel and they're playing the crew and you just sort of think wow now there's a term the balance is sim racing right and we have all these extremely high torque 
yeah. wheelbases and these uh, firm load cell pedals, which have to be securely placed. So in that time, you know, where would you? How how has Track Racer managed to keep up um, with a market that's changing rapidly? Well, for starters, you know, like uh, years and years ago, I, I just got sick of people complaining about, you know, that that word that you hear all the time, flex. Uh, so, so that is what I'm constantly pushing. There's no flex. There's no flex. Um, we we have our. I think you guys reviewed our our wheel stand. Um, yep, that's correct. Which it's it's a good entry level wheel stand. It, it's uh, the my objective with that one was not was was less so flex, but more so like let's just get it to the get it to the customer for as low as possible. So a lot of effort was put into tooling those um, those corner brackets out of ABS. Uh, it, it's it's a product that I'm actually proud of. It, it doesn't get the kind of recognition that it deserves, but um, it is it, it's much better than a desk. Oh, 100 percent. Uh, yeah, like irrespective of that, our our products are rock solid, uh, and that's what I'm constantly driving. Uh, rock solid. We we we're now focusing on like um, more adjustment. My uh, my focus is on the the prefab frames, and so let's let's just um, call them tube frames. So uh, that's where I see uh, the future for Track Racer. Um, so our, um, our objective with those is just to make them extremely adjustable, easily adjustable, um, that you would find in, say, uh, um, an extruded aluminium cockpit. Oh, I see. So, yeah, you've got the, the steel tube designs, you've got the aluminium cockpits, now you're, you're moving on to this uh, extra adjustability. And... Um, also, then, obviously, like I say, there when Logitech releases a new product and other manufacturers are sure, well, you have to make sure your your uh, plates all fit. So there's quite a lot of work there. I suppose we should probably jump straight to. I was going to ask a few other questions, but let's go on adjustability's sake. The Alpine Formula One team mm-hmm. with the TRX, you have a, a partnership there, and the upcoming uh, cockpit. Now it has a bit where you can adjust it from a Formula style to a GT style. So before we jump in to talk about the partnership and how it was developed. Well, explain to me how that particular element was designed. It seems quite unique. Well, it is unique. We've got um, uh, three or four patents on that design. There are We, we, we certainly didn't invent um, that F1 GT um, in one sort of simulator, uh, but we have, invent, we have created this um, uh, quick adjustment between the two. So there are models out there, but usually the people will not adjust it because it's like, bring out tools, spend 30 minutes on it, and um, it's just too much effort. Yeah, because uh, you've got an excellent video where you can just see that in use. You know, you just pull this uh, one element out and it, it raises up and down. And the fact that there are yeah, no spanners or anything like this is seems to be a really unique part of the design. And obviously, the other unique element is the partnership with Alpine, the actual Formula One team. How did, how did that come about? Uh, so they actually approached us in uh, Monaco. We... We had a couple of cockpits uh, at, at the uh, with the royal family with the uh, virtual Le Mans. Um, they approached us after that and said they're looking for a cockpit uh, supplier, uh, and and it all kind of blossomed from there. Oh, I see. And then I see you've been working with the team and some of the junior drivers. You know, how has that feedback been uh, useful in development of the product? Well, definitely with uh, with the TRX. So. We spent a lot of time uh, developing the TRX uh, to a point where we had a, a prototype. We then got that over to Alpine with the CAD 
Um, they had their their own F1 uh, engineers, so uh, the seat engineer. Um, they had uh, chassis engineers on it, tweaking tweaking the way, um, like trying to get it as realistic as possible. So uh, so. Yeah, so we're very grateful that they were able to um, allocate those resources to us, and and it's going to show in this product, which unfortunately uh, we we had tried to hit in June. Um, Alpine were not happy with uh, with the product, as you can imagine. The F1 team has uh, pretty stringent standards, so uh, so we've yeah we've basically been uh, tweaking the uh, the seats because we're not. Traditionally, where as as my father, he uh, he's a fabricator. Um, we are traditionally fabricators. So, give us a frame, and we we can we can do it with our eyes closed. But uh, we've actually had to learn the process of uh, of making seats. So the you know we invested into a uh, a seat factory uh, in Asia, and um, and we've actually like created new processes. To, to be able to pump out these seats with precise accuracy of, of uh, you know where the threads sit, um, the uh, the way the way it feels. Uh, so yeah, that's that's been the the sticking point for us. So I think it's currently slated for a Q4 release this year. Is there you know is that still on target? Is there any particular month that you're aiming for? Well, it's uh, it's going to be in December. That's for sure. All the tooling's finished. Um, we've, we've got prototypes all around the world. Uh, one of our guys is actually heading over to our factory next week. So he'll be um, there to check check the production, make sure it's up to our standards. Um, and, and then we'll start shipping out the, se- the several hundred that we've already pre-sold. Yeah, because pre-orders have been live, right? So that's that must be quite pleasing that you've got a good stack of orders there. And looking forward to seeing those customers receive them in December. You mentioned also as well that the seating is a um, something that you really had to learn and the Alpine Formula One team has given you feedback. I, I suppose that is invaluable in the learning process. They're exacting standards. So that is also helping you develop as a company. And at the same time, you must get customer and journalistic feedback as well. So is that, I, I realise actually you are very closely monitoring uh, what people are saying about your products. And then are you feeding that directly back into what's coming next? Yeah, so um, so we, unlike other companies um, that usually will kind of set and forget, um, we we're, I'm constantly tweaking the production. So uh, if someone will say, "All right, well," uh, or or we get a, a few people saying, oh, "I want the monitor staying closer," all right, and I'll speak to the speak to our engineers. How do we how do we get it closer? And so we'll we'll constantly do these like little tweaks to improve the product. Um, and and uh, with with the so we've always had the luxury of doing that uh, with the LP. It's important that we nail it from the first shipment. Not to say that we don't nail it, but we always just seek to be have a better product. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, going back just really briefly to to the earlier days, let's say one uh, element I've noticed is you have some ambassadors that also help spread the word. And uh, just skipping back to the Netherlands slightly, you've got Niels Langeveld, who just won the TCR Italy Championship with a track racer written down the side of the car. Absolutely. Yeah, legend. that's really cool. So do you work with him on feedback of the products and what's it like working with him? Oh, he's a legend. He's um, he's very supportive. Um, he's grateful that we're working with him, but we're, we're actually more grateful that he's working with us. Um, so, yeah, he's, um, he's, he's constantly providing us feedback on new products um, and, and also... Uh, at, 
as his preferred brand, he's, he, he lets everyone know about it. It must be cool as well to see Track Racer as a, a champion just a couple of weeks ago. Was it? Um, yeah, TCR Italy. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm very impressed. Uh, he's a character as well. Yeah. Um, now we just need to see Alpine, Alpine get up there. So it's still, still up in the air a bit. I'm not sure uh, who the second driver is going to be next year. But... Yeah, well, it would have been cool to have uh, Piastri in there. But anyway, perhaps we don't dwell on that too much. Uh, I still, that team's got a lot of potential still. So maybe next year you might get a, a win. Or the other Aussie. Oh, Ricardo. He's looking for a seat. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can have some influence there. Quite requesting. <laughs> um, well, actually, that's a that's a cool partnership. You've got Langeveld winning touring car racing championships in Europe. You've got uh, Alpine helping you with refining their, uh, your upcoming TRX. But also, I know we're a sim racing outlet or racing game outlet, but we should touch upon your other partnership with Airbus because uh, you're also working the flight sim scene. Any parallels between the two environments? Well, there's definitely like a lot of a lot of our sim racing customers out there that uh, also want a flight sim. Flight sim is actually uh, more searched on Google than sim racing. Um, unfortunately, a, a lot of the people doing flight sim are um, well, they don't see a need in in having a cockpit. So, you know, they're happy with their desk or, you know, it could be the keyboard or mouse or some of them um, upgrade to peripherals and there's a lot of a lot of peripherals coming out. So Turtle Beach have just uh, released a pretty cool yoke. You got Honeycomb releasing a lot of new gear. Uh, so so there is a lot of focus going into flight sim uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, Top, Top Gun uh, definitely, definitely helped that <laughs> along. No doubt. Was, uh, yeah, very, uh, it exceeded my expectations. I was thinking it was going to be pretty corny, but actually, I enjoyed it. Yeah, the actual in in plane scenes are are uh, edge of the seat stuff. I think that might be a nice segue into what's next outside of uh, simulators or cockpits or rigs, whatever the the preferred term may be, um, and into sim racing electronics. I believe this is an area that you're exploring. Uh, we're we're. We're pretty. We're a lot more advanced than just exploring. So we've finished our own proprietary software. Uh, this software um, has has a lot of the game plugins already already completed, uh, and it will allow us to plug in different peripherals. So including um, uh, steering wheels, pedals, handbrake shifter, motion, direct drive, etc. So um, we we see this as an important part for for our future. And being uh, the number one uh, mid to high end um, simulate cockpit manufacturer in the world, offers us a good segue into uh, into peripherals. Well, it makes a lot of sense, I guess, because you, you have an existing customer base, but it's, the products are directly related. It's what attaches to the cockpits. Um, so you mentioned that you finished the software. So is that ready to ship soon? Or is it, are you waiting perhaps uh, another complementary product to go with it? Well, we, well, the software is, is just the, uh, let's call it the, the command center. Right, right. So uh, it, it allows um, uh, the, the tweaking of the pedals and, and um, you know, the strength uh, responsiveness of, of the direct drive. So, uh, so, so that part is complete. Um, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of manufacturers out there that, uh, of, of shifters and handbrakes that simply use the, uh, the default USB uh, software on on in windows um we've we've gone a step further so uh we we started that quite a while ago and now we're we're just finishing up prototypes which we hope to show 
uh, a few, show a few different prototypes at the uh, Sim Expo at the start of December in Germany. It's a it's a bit of a race against the clock, but you know I'm pretty confident that we'll we'll have at least uh, our pedals, shifter, and handbrake to show at at the Sim Expo. Yeah, so pedals, shifters, and handbrakes—that is a big step and a big big leap for the company. Uh, I will we will be there at Sim Racing Expo, so hope to see them and try them out. Looking forward to it. And so the yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that's really um, great for yet an, an, another company to push the market forward. Competition, you know, the consumer ultimately wins. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think like our our advantage, like one of our engineers is a is a, a race car engineer uh, and driver. So the the shifter is it's it's not just a simple um, you know click on click off. You know, we've we've developed a a clutch mechanism to, to really give you that that true feeling and sound as, as you would expect in a car. Um, little little details like that uh, will will set us aside from from the competition. Yeah, and there is a lot of competition in the pedal space in particular. Is there anything there that you think you've got like a a, new, a unique angle on? Uh, we we do so um, uh, up, upgradability of of the pedals uh, would would be one. Uh, but you know the reason. So when I started Track Racer, it was uh, I was looking at these massive margins, and 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 over the years, these manufacturers uh, they've been trimming their margins down and down and down. And back in the day, they were probably making 80, 80 points. Um, so so a long time ago, I saw that. All right, well, you know, for people to actually get into sim racing, it needs to be affordable to the masses. Mm. You know, not that you know top top five percent so uh you know in comes the rs8 which is you know it was a good product for its time um that got outdated so my my objective for the electronics uh which may or may not include uh the most affordable motion platform ever to be seen uh is is to to give uh (laughs) give greater access to to these um you know what people once thought was uh, non-attainable right so that sort of sets your stall out for where you're positioning these pedals in the market i would say and i guess they they would be low till right yeah absolutely so uh so i've i've always kind of worked on um the uh, the idea of you know uh, stack them high and sell them for a low price okay. so kind of the big box uh theory as opposed to all right, well, let's just make a huge margin, um, but sell, you know, a couple here and there. I see, yeah. So that's that's a key philosophy to grow in the whole industry. Well, it's market share. So, uh, yeah, while we're not making um, margins as as pretty, probably all of the other manufacturers out there, where um, mm. where uh, we're 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 slowly creeping in on on market share globally. Uh, we're also like probably we're one of the most accessible uh, cockpits in the world with um, with all of the different outlets, which includes our seven plus a few distributors, um, which which helps. Right, and then now you bundle that in with some um, affordable electronic devices. Yep, they're all got that. You've got that supply chain already enforced. You've got that. The websites are different regions. It's all set up, and then you'll be able to distribute through those. So that'll be interesting. So the, the prototypes are on display hopefully at sim racing expo at the end of this year so therefore is it a logical conclusion to say that you're aiming for you know production and sale next year yes absolutely so first half of next year um 
I'll be pushing the pushing the team for Q1, but uh, I don't want to I don't want to um, make any promises yet because we've got, we've already got so much on our plate. Um, right. Uh, the the peripherals are, are involving like uh, us starting a new factory, which, um, as I mentioned, like we're we're fabricators. That's what we do. Um, we've then gone and learnt uh, fiberglass seats, uh, and now now we're going to move into electronics. So, yeah, and the software to boot. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, the software is not, not not the difficult part. The um, but in saying that, it's uh, you know we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just making a better wheel uh, at a more affordable price. Nice. Well, colour me intrigued. I think that's a fascinating thing. <laughs> you know, and I can't I can't wait to hear, see and hear more when the time is right. Of course. Yeah, and uh, we'll be seeing that on traction for sure. Brilliant. Yeah, and we'll definitely do uh, detailed coverage and reviews and everything. So, um, yeah, and like I say, we'll be trying them at the Sim Racing Expo, Expo with a bit of luck. So, I've already taken up nearly an hour of your time this morning. That's my um, pleasure. And I've no, I've no idea what time. What time is it in Australia right now? May I ask? It's nearly nine a.m. here in the UK. Uh here is uh, is almost six six p.m. Ah, okay. Yeah, this is the very short window where we can overlap our time zones. Um, so it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Um, but the key thing to take away from me from this conversation about Track Racer is uh, keep your eyes peeled because there's yet more exciting things on the way. Absolutely. Um, really appreciate your time and I look forward to having another chat and meeting you at uh, Sim Expo. Yeah, we'll see each other in person. Wonderful. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, there we go. Thanks again to Matt for his time. Hey, Lotel pedals, shifters, accessories, software. So we'll hope to... Try those at the Sim Racing Expo in Germany in December with a bit of luck. And yeah, looking forward to it. So, Track Racer entering the electronic sim racing game, another contender in the market. We wish them all the best. And competition is good, especially as Matt mentioned there, at the perhaps more affordable end of the market. As ever, if you enjoyed this episode, please do follow and rate on Spotify, subscribe and rate on Apple Podcasts. That's free and it just helps us out, helps our show be found by more people. And also you can do that on whichever podcast platform of your choice you are listening to. And also you can email the show at podcast.traction.gg with any questions for Track Racer that we can then ask when we're at the Sim Racing Expo. Okay, that's it for now. Thank you for listening. Keep it pinned. Keep it pinned.